0: let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you and we just confess our our neediness. We are a needy people and we need you this morning. Our hearts are often distracted. Our minds tend to wander and so I ask that you would keep us focused on you and your word this morning. Father, would you teach us this morning? Would you assist us? Would you remind us? Would you convict us? Would you have us rest in you? Father, we ask that you would show up in power through your word. Father, we need you. Teach us your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So imagine for a moment that you woke up on a deserted island with virtually all of your memories erased. You don't have any idea who you are. You don't have to know how you got there or even what you are doing. You spend your days sort of walking around aimlessly with this fresh reminder that you're all alone. You look out Ahead of you and as far as your eyes can see. Is all you see is water. You spend your nights cold and afraid. Before you lay your head on the ground at night. You you look up at the stars and you begin to think and ask yourself. What is the meaning of life? Is there anyone out there. That cares for me? Am I really all alone? Having no way to truly answer these questions, you sort of manage to go through just the motions of life. You get up every day with this uh, sort of mindless routine while just trying to keep yourself busy long enough so that you don't have to deal with the sort of emptiness that you feel in your soul. So you just live out your days just getting by. You live day after day this way until eventually you die. Brothers and sisters, this is our lives apart from the Lord. We spend our days living for ourselves, sort of blindly groping through life until we eventually expire. Until eventually, our time sort of runs out. For people who live this way, Psalm forty-nine fourteen says, "Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol; death shall be their shepherd." But for those of us who are trusting in Christ, this is not so. For those of us who have turned away from our sins and are trusting in Jesus alone, this is not the case. The people of God unlike the world, have a good shepherd who loves them with an eternal love. The God who spoke everything into existence, who commands oceans and mountains where to go and where to stop, this God cares for his sheep deeply. The God who turns kings' hearts like water is the God who cares for his people, the God who loves his people in a world where we sort of endlessly come up empty in trying to pursue satisfaction, in our text this morning, we are learning about a good shepherd who is totally sufficient for his people. Who is totally satisfying his people. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I'll give you a second to turn there. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. This is a psalm uh, that is a testimony from, from David of the Lord's faithfulness as he looks back on his life. David is writing this psalm out of first-hand experience. Much of his early life, he he was used as a shepherd to provide for his sheep. As David has now grown in the Lord, what we see is that he has become aware of the, the parallels between this relationship of a shepherd and a sheep. and He's comparing it with his relationship with the Lord. As many of you know, this Psalm is maybe one of the most universally well-known portions of Scripture, maybe in the entire Bible. One church historian said of Psalm 23, It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the hearts of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their grief, and orphans in their loneliness. This psalm has often been the last words that people have heard before they took their last breath. But as this psalm is one of the most well-known portions in maybe all of the Bible, I think it might be one of the most misused portions of Scripture in all of the Bible. This psalm is often applied both generally to believers and non-believers alike in times of trouble. This psalm is often recited before football games, You'll even see maybe portions of it tattooed on people. And I fear that this sort of generalization of this song and sort of the way that it's applied to everyone in the same way, it's, it's kind of created this where it's lost its meaning in the hearts of God's people. It's been overgeneralized. And if not careful, it'll sort of just wash over us in familiarity. So I urge you not to let it do that this morning. This psalm is a treasure of comfort for the people of God. We are to see this psalm and to treasure it. It is meant to comfort us. It is meant to provide security for us. This psalm is not meant for everyone, but for God's people. In times of distress, difficulty, and even death, this psalm is a warm blanket for those of us who are in Christ. So, my aim in preaching this morning is to help us see the all sufficiency of our good shepherd so that in every changing season of our lives, we would take, until we take our last breath, that we would have deep confidence in knowing that we are unquestionably loved and cared for forever in God. So, what I want to do from our text is show us. Three characteristics of our good shepherd. Three characteristics of our good shepherd. If you're taking notes, this is my outline. First, the good shepherd is our perfect provider. That's verses 1 through 3. Second, the good shepherd is our perfect comforter. That's verse 4. And third, the good shepherd is our perfect friend. That's verses 5 Through six. So, first, the good shepherd is our perfect provider. Look down at verses one through three. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul, He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. Notice how David starts. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. He himself, being in charge of watching his father flock, knows this relationship well. But don't overlook the word that he uses. This is where we get into trouble. This is where we sort of overgeneralize what David is saying. Look what he says He says, The Lord is my shepherd, not the shepherd of everyone without exception. He doesn't call him the shepherd of everyone without exception, but he is my shepherd. David personally knows the Lord and is known by him. David is not an employee of some type of billion dollar company. He's not just another number amongst many. The Lord is not some CEO removed from his people in some distant tower far off. No, he knows everything about David. Everything. Everything. A shepherd would actually live 24-7 with his sheep. He had an unrelenting devotion to the sheep. He was after their safety and their care all of the time. A shepherd would stay with them through rainy days and through good days. The shepherd would be so committed to sheep under his charge that he would even risk his own life to keep them safe. This is the picture that David has chosen to describe his relationship with the Lord, the relationship of the Lord and His people. For David, he is saying, for the Lord to be the shepherd of His people, what he is saying is that the shepherd for the sheep, He's their everything. He's their all. He's not just sort of, a part of their life. He is their life. Everything depends on Him. Look down at verse 1. He says, because of this, the Lord being my shepherd, He says, therefore I shall not want. I mean, think about sheep. They lack everything they need to survive. They are maybe the most dependent animal in all of God's creation. They lack intelligence, they lack the uh, ability to protect themselves. They, they have to have their needs met. They are constantly in want. Right? They are very, very extremely dependent. They aren't sufficient in and of themselves. But David says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is sufficient to provide every need that I have as a sheep. He's saying, left alone, I'm constantly in one, all of the time. With the Lord, I have everything that I need. The good shepherd is the provider of his people. The sheep are not dependent on themselves. They are not sufficient in themselves. They are utterly dependent. As parents were, my wife and I were reaching this new stage in our lives we are lord willing almost out of the diaper stage like we have four kids so this is a big event for us like we have an 11 year old we have a 7 year old we have a 5 year old and a 3 year old which is absolutely crazy and so our last one is sort of coming out of potty training we're almost there we're on the cusp and My wife and I are excited because that means, for the most part, our kids are slowly becoming more independent, right? They're they're not so dependent on mom and dad. They can pretty much go to the bathroom for themselves. They can get up in the morning and make breakfast for themselves for the most part. So why are we so happy? Because we don't have to do as much, right? Mom and dad get a little bit of a break every once in a while. We don't always have to be holding their hand through everything. Get this the Lord is not like that. The Lord doesn't wish his sheep could do, his children could do more for him. He actually delights in the dependency of his people. You might be asking, okay, I know the Lord is sufficient to meet my needs, but how? David is going to go on to explain in what ways the Lord is sufficient for him. He shows us all the ways the Lord, as the Good Shepherd, provides for his sheep. Look down at verse 2. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. Sheep are easily panicked, they're skittish animals. Meaning, sheep don't naturally want to sort of lie down on their own. They are dependent on the shepherd to help them and to calm them down in such a way that they'll lay down and rest. David says, this is what I have found in the Lord. Despite all of my anxieties, all of my depression, all of my fears, the Lord is my peace through it all. But not only has he found peace in the Lord, He's found satisfaction. He says, he leads me beside still waters. This literally means waters that have been stilled. Sheep are often weary and worn out from travel. And often they're, they're so afraid that they won't drink out of a stream if it's running too fast. They're extremely easy and easily frightened. One commentator said that shepherds would have to pick up large stones to create a dam so the flow of water would decrease. And they could drink without being frightened. Just fragile animals. Very fragile. David is saying in my weariness, I have found that the Lord provides satisfaction. He provides satisfaction for my soul. Brothers and sisters, this is what we have in our good shepherd, Jesus. This psalm is pointing to Christ for us. Jesus says in John 10, 11 through 14, I am the good shepherd. Jesus lays his life down for the sheep. Christian, you don't have to wear yourself out working for his approval. He loves you. If you need proof of this, look to Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You have been freed from the enslavement of looking for satisfaction and other things. Jesus says in John 4.14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Christian, you don't have to be anxious or afraid anymore. If you're trusting in Christ alone, he himself is our peace. He has lived the perfect life that we can never live. He has died the death that we should have died and he has resurrected from the grave proving his death was not only sufficient to cover our sins but also to, cover, to secure our forgiveness. In Christ, we can lie down in the grassy meadows of his grace for us. We can rest. We can drink and be satisfied in the all satisfying waters of all that he is for us. Paul says in Colossians 1.20, he has made peace. How? By the blood of his cross. Do you see, Christian, how the good shepherd is our perfect provider? That doesn't mean he grants all the desires of our hearts. But it does mean he gives us what we most need. Because God is holy and we are sinners. What we most desperately need is reconciliation. If in Christ, and if in Christ He has done that for us, then we can say with the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him give us all things? Amazing. And if peace and satisfaction were not enough that this good shepherd provides, David goes on to describe this shepherd further. Look down at verses 3 and 4. He says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. Sheep have a bad sense of direction, much like us, or much like myself, my wife would say. They easily stray. They easily go the wrong way to places that are potentially dangerous. If a sheep wanders off, it will most certainly get lost, even in places that it's familiar with. So the shepherd must always continually guide and pay attention to each one of the sheep to make sure it doesn't stray off from the fold. This is a picture David gives us of his relationship between him and the Lord. Think about this, the, the man after God's own heart is is not immune to wandering in his affections for the Lord. The man after God's own heart is not immune to wandering off into serious sin. But every single time that David wonders what he has found in the Lord is that he is faithful to restore him. He says, he restores my soul. Christian, think about your your own life. Just do a, a survey, a history of your life as a Christian. If you walked in here this morning trusting in Jesus, it's because of his faithfulness to you. If you're honest, there have been moments in your life where you have been so discouraged, so depressed, and so riddled with sin. You feel like you can't even lift your head. Because all you wanted to do was sort of drown yourself in a pool of despair. I know there have certainly been moments like this in in my life. Or I feel like I don't even have the strength to pick myself up. One of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Fount. And almost every single time I sing these words, I almost break out into tears. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Do you ever feel that way, Christian? So weak that you know if the Lord were just to sort of let go for a second, you would be lost. I've got good news for you. The Lord is the shepherd of his people, and he always perfectly keeps his sheep. Notice David doesn't say I restored me. He says He restored me. He won't let one straying sheep be lost. He will leave the 99 sheep of His fold who are doing well to go after the sheep straying off into sin. Because He loves you that much. He will not let you be lost if you're His. If you're a Christian this morning, it's because God is relentless. Relentless. God is relentless to get you to glory. Our good shepherd, our shepherd, he is the good shepherd because he's the type that never gives up on his people. Oh, what a lesson for us with our brothers and sisters. What if we were the type of people that never gave up on people because the Lord has never given up on us? What if we went after those people Struggling and chasing their sin. Our good shepherd. He doesn't just restore us back. And just leave it up to us to sort of figure it out. Like he gives us this clean slate. Look down at the end of verse 3. He says. He leads me in the path of righteousness. For his namesake. Our tendency like sheep. Is to naturally divert off the path. We have this tendency to wander off in places of danger. But our good shepherd, David says, leads us on the right path. He restores us and puts us on the right path to heaven. Our good shepherd. Think about this. The Lord. This is, this is the best ground by which the Lord could restore us. The Lord could keep us. For his own namesake. There's no other reason better. There's no other reason higher. By which he could do something. Our good shepherd is willing. To put his reputation. On the line. For his people. For his sheep. If you're in Christ. The Lord is committed. To keeping you on the path to heaven. For his own name Christian. What? Comfort that brings. What other ground. Could be more secure to stand on. He does it for his own name. There's no other higher name. By which he could do it. This leads to. The second characteristic of. This good shepherd. He is not only the perfect provider. But he's the perfect comforter. The good shepherd is our perfect comforter. Look down at verse 4. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David is furthering this picture of protection and comfort that the good shepherd gives. Sheep are always in danger. Sheep are always on the brink of death. They often are led to travel through these dark places and valleys that contain predators that seek their life. I mean, this is an average day in the life of David. He says in Psalm 22, 16, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. The life of David is like sheep walking through dark valleys with Predators looking for this opportunity to pounce. Can you imagine this? Every morning you wake up, death is a real possibility. I mean, it's staring at you out in, the, in the face. Most of us, we don't, we don't think like that, right? We don't have enemies trying to attack us all the time. David had to live with sort of this shadow of death cast over him all of the time. But he says, even... In the midst of this, I will not fear. You might be thinking, how? People are trying to kill you. Why are you not afraid? Look at his answer. For you are with me. He has found security in the, the presence of the Lord. Oftentimes, when my kids get nightmares, they sort of get out of bed in the middle of the night and they run on my side of the bed and when they first get into bed they're, they're frantic they're scared they're shaking but the longer they set, sleep next to me there's like this calming presence that comes over them and even though they, they still remember the dream over time they, their breathing calms down and they, they go to sleep they're comforted again why, why is that? Because they're in the presence of their father. And it's not just sort of my presence alone. They know me. They know dad loves them. And they know dad will protect them. They know dad is strong. My second to oldest used to call me her tough guy when she was was little. She doesn't call me that anymore. So it's not only just my mere presence, but they know know me. If you don't know the Lord, you're not going to be comforted by His presence. David knows the Lord. He's not only known by God, he knows God. And it's not only His presence, but because He knows Him, He knows that He will protect Him. Look what he says next. He says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David has found security in the presence of the Lord. When he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, he knows he will protect them. The shepherds' rod and staff, they were often used to sort of fight off wild animals for protection. It was used to provide guidance and even keep a head count of of the sheep so that they wouldn't run off and get lost. This is what David is saying, that Even in the midst of death, I have learned to throw myself on the sovereign care of the Lord. In all circumstances, I will not fear evil because God is with me. I know him. I know he will protect me. I know that he loves me. He knows that his enemies will not be able to touch a hair on his head apart from the Lord's permission even in his death, he knows this. Even in the midst of death, he knows that because the Lord is with him, his soul can be still. This is where David has found comfort in our perfect comforter. And Christian, we, not, again, we might not wake up every morning with these same fears of people wanting to kill us. But every morning that we get out of bed, sin is crouching at the door ready to pounce. Satan is compared to a roaring lion. He is standing in wait, ready to pick off Christians. Meanwhile, every day of your life, as you age and get older, you're getting closer and closer to death. Death is an enemy that has only experienced victory. However, that was until our good shepherd fought our enemy for us. Only he did not use clubs or a staff. But he used sacrificing himself in our place. He didn't pick up a weapon. He laid down his life. In the gospel, Jesus has grappled with the grave. And in his resurrection, he has given death its first and final loss forever. Brothers and sisters, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death... And fear no evil. Why? Because our good shepherd has went before us. And he has defeated our enemies. Therefore we can not fear the evil one. He has been conquered, defeated. He's conquered every enemy that would seek to destroy us as believers. I mean this is why we sing, right? Right? No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Is this your hope this morning, brothers and sisters? Are you running to our good shepherd, to find comfort for your weary soul? Christian, run to the one who is saying to you this morning, fear not, little flock. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is, comes in Revelation after John gets this glimpse of Jesus and he falls to his face as though dead. One of my favorite parts is what Jesus says to him in verses 17 and 18. He doesn't told him to get his act together. He has not told him to tough, toughen up. What does he say? Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Now if you've ever been around someone in the last moments before they take their last breath, before they die? Maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a friend. You know, eventually there comes a time after they take that last breath, like you're going to have to let go of them. Eventually we'll all be there on our deathbed, and our loved ones that surround us will have to let go eventually, and we have to die. The things that we live for, the things that we even made idols or pursued on this earth, they can't and won't go with us. They can't. But if you are trusting in Christ, you can be comforted knowing that Jesus will never leave you. Christian, you don't have to fear death, not only because it's been defeated, but because your Savior promises to hold your hand through it. There will never be a moment where he is not with you. You may die somewhere completely alone. There may not be time for a sort of goodbye hospital moment. Or maybe you're in the hospital and no one can get to you. You're all alone. That may be a reality. But in Christ, we're never actually really alone. He is with you every step of the way until he will finally and fully have his arms around you, believer. So that being said, unbeliever, what are you currently pursuing that would do this for you? Our idols that we live for, they are happy to lead us all the way to death and hell. But they are both unwilling and unable to die for us. Our sin will always lead us to this cliff of misery And I can assure you, it will gladly let go once you get to the edge. My plea with you this morning is to turn away from your sin and trust in Christ alone. He is the only one who can provide both forgiveness and eternal satisfaction. If you're a Christian here this morning, let His presence and protection comfort your soul. If you're trusting in Christ... He is not only the perfect provider and comforter, he is our perfect friend. Leads to my third characteristic the Good Shepherd is our perfect friend. Look down at verses 5 and 6. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is giving us a further picture of his relationship with the Lord. The Lord is pictured now as a dinner host, and David is his guest. I think what David is trying to communicate to us is that the shepherd is unlike any other shepherd. Yes, he perfectly provides. Yes, he perfectly comforts. But he's more than that to his people. These sheep aren't just sort of random animals that he has to take care of. He loves the sheep. He wants to be in relationship with the sheep. He wants to dine with his people. This is what's going on in verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before my enemies. This dinner that David gives us a picture of is one of celebration. He's eating a a meal of victory before all of his enemies. They've been conquered. And this host and this guest are eating while the enemies are being made a spectacle of. They've been conquered. They've been defeated. And not only is the host making this meal that he and his guest will eat, he says, You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It was custom of a good host to anoint the head of a guest with oil as a symbol of honor and both refreshment from his travel. It was was a good gesture. In other words, he's saying, this host is a good host. This is a picture of God's favor for David. He is completely committed to his good. I don't know if you had relationships like this in high school but if you were to hang out with me and my friends in high school, this before I was a Christian, Like you wouldn't be able to tell if we hated each other or loved each other. Like How you knew someone was your friend in high school was how hard of a time that they gave you. I remember being in eighth grade and looking at some of the high schoolers and being like, man, do they even like each other? And in some moments when we would sort of joke with each other, it would, someone would cross the line and It would get serious, and so you kind of never knew really where that line was. We always just kind of crossed it with each other, and so you never knew if that person was really for you, or it seemed like if they really liked you. Friendship with the Lord is not like that. You don't ever have to guess if the Lord is for you. He and He not only because He not only provides this meal, but look what He does. Look what David says. He said, "My cup overflows." This host is lavishing his favor on his guest. This is not a picture of some sort of random guest, but a friend. This friendship is one that brings refreshment and maximum joy. And what should strike us as believers is that we, at, we too at once were the enemies around the table. We too were once in the chains of sin and hell. Captive under the wrath of God. This is where we deserve to be in this picture. But because of Christ. We who were once enemies. Have been made friends. We who were once in chains. Are now seated at the table. While our enemies. Sin, death and Satan. Have been conquered. This is who has been made a spectacle of. Sin, death, and Satan were made a spectacle of at the cross. This is amazing, isn't it? If this doesn't prepare or propel our hearts to joyfully sing, Jesus, thank you, nothing else will. David says in verse 6, if this is true, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If the Lord is David's shepherd and host, then he knows that God is 100% for him. This idea of goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, it's not like following in the sense of like His grace and mercy is trying to catch up to us. You literally say, His grace and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. If you're a mom that stays home with children, and you have a maybe the worst day. Right? You're taking to the kids are being rebellious. You're trying to, to clean the home. My wife says some of those days are like trying to brush your teeth while eating Oreos. It's like impossible. The kids are acting wild. The home is a mess. You're frustrated. You've been giving into your flesh, maybe even exercising sinful anger in the home. You lay your head on the pillow at night, just riddled with guilt. And you wake up the next morning fully expecting to get what you deserve. But again and again and again, His grace and His mercy is new every morning for you. It pursues you. It hunts you down. Fathers, I work a full time job. I know what it's like. You have a rough day at work. You even pray on your way home, and you're still short with the, the kids and your wife. Like, you're so tired, you don't have any capacity to sort of switch it into family mode, into that second gear. And again, you lay your head on the pillow at night, fully expecting to get what you deserve. And what do you find in the morning? His grace and His mercy meet me. It pursues me. It never ends. His mercies are new. Every single morning I get out of bed. This idea of goodness and mercy has this idea of the favor of the Lord, this undeserved favor. We don't deserve it. But God graciously lavishes it it on us. What mercy. This is what David has found in the Lord. Goodness and mercy has pursued him every day of his life. This is the Old Testament equivalent to Romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 39. Where Paul asks the question to the believer. Who can separate us? From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. His answer is that if God did not spare his son for us. Then nothing imaginable will be able to separate us. It's because of his faithfulness. Not ours. In our trials, in our suffering, and in our doubts. We can lay our head on the pillow of his grace at night. We can, with confidence, trust in the Lord, knowing that because the wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Christian, he won't stop being your perfect provider. He won't stop being your perfect comforter. And he won't stop being your perfect friend. He, his aim is to bring you safely to the day where you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John Calvin comments on this last verse. This is what he says. He says, I will dwell in the house of Jehovah. By this concluding sentence, he manifestly shows that he does not confine his thoughts to earthly pleasures or comforts, but that the mark at which he aims is fixed in heaven. And to reach this was the great object of all things. Is this the great object of your life? Is this where your eyes are focused? Like, this is the end of everything. Not that we get big mansions or houses or gold roads, but that we get to dwell with our God. That's what David wanted. That's the end of all things, is that we get God. Is that your great object of all things? Is that where your heart longs to be? Believer, fix your eyes on Jesus. Make this the great object of your life. You might be saying, but man, my life is a mess. How can I know these truths with certainty? Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, one of the sweetest verses in all of the Bible. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Christian, go to Jesus this morning. Run to him. Pour out your heart like water to him. Mark Dever, one of the our favorite quotes from Dever is one, one thing he said about the Lord. He's like, Christianity is like no other religion. Every other religion makes you put on your makeup before you go to God. Not the one true living God. You can run to Him this morning and find comfort for your weary soul. You can rest in Him. He already knows what you're going to pray before you pray it. So He's not going to be sort of surprised by what you tell Him. The cross frees us to be transparent and honest. The worst things that could have ever been said about us have already been blared from Golgotha. Run to him, rest, go to him in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your kindness to us this morning that you would rescue and save sinners like us. Lord, you are sufficient. Help our hearts to believe this. Help us to put our hope in no one else. Every other hope will fail us. So help us to trust in you. Help us to rest in you this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.